It was such a beautiful anthem. Thank you all. It was just beautiful. You know, Alleluia, uh, it's the Hebrew is praise Yahweh or praise Jehovah that over and over. Praise Jehovah, praise Jehovah, which is a call, an invitation to enjoy Yahweh, to delight in Yahweh, to adore Yahweh, to give yourself up to Yahweh, to be astonished and amazed at Yahweh, to be in awe of Yahweh. It's like the call that permeates our life to live, as the Bible says, in the fear or the awe of God. Alleluia, indeed. So we come to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We did what I kind of I call a kind of introduction to Hebrews 11, uh, that that section that leads into it uh, at the end of Hebrews 10. This is if you're using the pew Bible, it's on page 1007. And you may recall that he Paul recalled for them the former days where they were so involved in helping those who were imprisoned because of their faith that they themselves ended up losing their own property uh, and in some cases were imprisoned themselves because they wouldn't hang back from their brothers and sisters who had been arrested. They continued to love and care for them knowing it would endanger them. But they did so, as he says uh, in verse 34, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you're, you yourselves had a better possession and an ab abiding one. So there's this future orientation that is brought into Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 continues all the way through, beginning to end with that future orientation orientation of our lives and the call to endure, the call to persevere, uh, as he says in verse 39 of chapter 10, we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So our looking to the future and counting on the future is also the way we end up in that future as well by continuing to trust him. So now we get to chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Thus the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Lord, enable us to grow in our faith. Uh, Lord, to uh, be men and women of faith that's exhibited in the way we live our lives. It's exhibited in our actions, our boldness, our courage, our peace, our joy, our love. Oh Lord, make us a people of abundant faith. We ask this because only you can give us faith. Only you, by your Holy Spirit, can grow us in faith. We thank you that this is a central, vital part of your salvation. Oh, Lord, 
continue to save us and rescue us from the remains of unbelief in our lives and how that manifests itself in our lives and cause us more and more, Lord, to believe you, to count on you, to expect you, to rejoice in you because we have laid hold of the future that you have provided for your people. We ask this in the precious name of Christ. Amen. Uh, you've probably read about this, and there are many athletes we could talk about, but uh, high jumpers, we could talk about pole vaulters as well, but let me just talk about high jumpers. Uh, if you've ever seen, I won't, I won't do the motion and everything, but many times when they're backed up and about to jump, there's this pause and you feel like they've gone into another world and their, their concentration is intense and they have a, a certain way to get into that mode, get into that mind frame. And of course, all the, the rigorous training that they all go through has to be done you know, near perfectly to, to get to the highest level. But they say that that picturing, that frame of mind in which they see themselves going over the bar is absolutely essential for success. And they have counselors, therapists, uh, people specially trained to help them visualize uh, those moments. And they will all usually attest to the fact that that's just a vital part of of my success is being able to picture it, to see it happen, to believe it can happen, and it happens. And for us, we are commanded in the New Testament to visualize, to believe. Uh, it's, it's the way faith works. We're told, for instance, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Everything is new. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Or we're told in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 that we are a new self, that we have a new self that has been created in the image of God. Like that's a past tense. You have a whole new self that's been created to live out a whole new life. Or we're told in 2 Corinthians 3 that the Spirit is working in us so that we're seeing Christ's glory and we're being transformed from glory to glory. Now, if you're in the midst of an argument or perhaps you just said something to a wife or husband, child, you know you shouldn't have, you can almost hear somebody coming alongside you and saying, glory to glory. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was glorious, you know, or to stop you in the middle of, of an argument and say, new creation, you know, you're a whole different person. You don't have to act like, we struggle with this, right? And we struggle at that moment, even thinking it doesn't feel like I'm new creation. It doesn't feel like I'm going from glory to glory in my life. But as you've heard many times, Scripture always begins with the indicative and then gets to the imperative. This is who you are in Christ. 
This is what Christ has accomplished for you in his death and his resurrection. This is what he is doing for you as the spirit is working in you. And it's said over and over, for God is at work in you so that you will want to do his will and you will do his will, Paul writes to the Philippians. Hebrews 13 closes that whole, this whole glorious uh, letter with a statement to that effect where he says, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Well, that's an amazing statement that he is working in me so that I will please him. But the critical thing to make this real for us is to visualize it, to believe it, to wake up day after day and bring these things to mind so that they become real to us and we live it out. As we're struggling to change, as we're struggling with attitudes that we've had perhaps for a long time, to turn that around and truly believe and act on the fact God is working in the God of creation, the God with infinite power, the God who is all in to do me good, who is passionate to do me good. He is doing me good. We see that's where faith comes in. And the one aspect of that faith that is particularly at the forefront of Hebrews 11 is the forward look of faith, looking to that which is unseen that we haven't gotten to yet. So the word unseen in this passage isn't so much talking about that which you can't see, like in a platonic sense. You know, there's the invisible world and the visible world, but it's talking about the future that we haven't seen yet, but we believe it and it's real to us as we must believe that we're in a new reality of salvation, a new spiritual geography that I've been brought out of death and now I'm in life. I was under the dominion of Satan. Now I'm under the rule of Jesus Christ. I'm in a whole new place. I must also have faith in what is promised me and how surely it will come to me, both progressively in my life and then the final future. So this faith makes the future a present reality that shapes how and why I live every day. Faith makes it a present reality shaping what I think and say and do. So in the English, in Hebrews 11 you'll find the words by faith. Oh, by the way, kiddos, three words, taste, help, and food. Ooh, taste and food. Taste, help, food. Want to taste food. Help me get food. Okay. Um, caveman talk. You'll find the word by faith 18 times in the chap this chapter. But what you'll see, and this 
actually shapes the first uh, verse. It's not really a definition of faith, the whole chapter, but it is telling us what people accomplished by faith. By faith, this happened and this happened and this person did this and this person. Every time. Now, there are a few phrases, through faith and that kind of thing, but by and large, it's this phrase. But it is what faith enables people to do. It's about the astonishing possibilities of faith. William Lane calls it a celebration of faith, a commendation of faith. Here is the greatness of faith and how it can transform lives by seeing how it transformed lives throughout the Old Testament. So this is teaching us what we can achieve by faith, how we can grow by faith, how we can stand by faith, how we can move forward by faith, how we can see our lives and other lives changed by faith, what we as a church can do to help change Hattiesburg and the world by faith. The possibilities, the grand possibilities of faith. So a little bit on the uh, structure context of this. The first uh, section of, of, of chapter 11 is 1 through 7. And what's interesting about this uh, chapter is it starts with creation, it ranges through the Old Testament, and it ends in chapter 12 with Jesus. So it's like from creation to Jesus Let's talk about what faith does and can do from creation to Jesus. And it goes chronologically. So 1 through 7 takes you from Genesis 1 through 11, which is, if you're a little familiar with that, it's that whole first section that has the creation, the fall, um, Cain and Abel. It has genealogies. It has Noah. And then you start with Abraham and Israel and the people of God. And it divides there in verse 7. So verse 7 takes Genesis 1 through 11, and then we jump into Abraham. And then we go through Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Joseph. Takes us through that. And then it jumps to Moses. And we go through Moses to the first of Joshua and Jericho, and then he just starts naming people and judges and beyond, uh, all the way to the prophets. But in all of this, uh, it again has this refrain, by faith, by faith. So it's celebrating this glorious activity and the glorious accomplishments of faith. Now, I would side with those scholars who emphasize that instead of the words assurance and conviction, which you know are Subjective words. It, it, I have assurance. I have conviction. But they say that these words are objective words in all of Greek literature. And most commentators that I have studied 
go in this direction, and, and I, I do too, so that they're talking about objective realities. So faith is the, you could say, substance of things hoped for or the reality of things hoped for. Uh, Lane, for instance, translates the reality of the blessings for which we hope. Now, what I like about this is, it's, I've already said it, it brings the future as a real thing that we can see, that we can feel, that we almost can taste as we experience it. Faith makes that which would seem to be far off and distant and what does it matter anyway? But faith brings it so that it is a life-changing reality in front of me every day. That which is not seen becomes very present. So that faith celebrates now the reality of future blessings. One has said that faith unveils the future to us. So that it's no longer veiled or hazy or cloudy or distant, but it's real and tangible. It seems more real than life itself or anything around me. And it becomes my defining reality. I've got the reality around me, but faith makes the future blessings and the promise of God the reality by which I live. The second word in a way is perhaps more daring because it generally means demonstration or proof, and some translations have this. The proof of things not seen. So that, and this is remarkable, that faith proves to us personally, it proves to me that that future is really there. And I can count on it. I can live my life according to that promised future of God. So faith proves the unseen future. It furnishes certainty about that future to us. So we grasp it. We can see it. We can hold it in our hearts. It's like faith unwraps the treasure of the future good that God will do us. And we can feast on it. And we can live by it. We cherish it. We're thrilled by it. We're comforted by it. We're given resolve and commitment and sacrifice because of it. It gives us courage and peace. That's amazing. That something you've never seen before can affect you so deeply. You see, that's our whole faith. None of us has seen Jesus Christ on the cross. None of us saw his resurrection. None of us have seen him at the right hand of God. But that's why we live our lives the way we do. We believe in the witnesses. We believe in the firsthand witnesses who have said we were there. Like Peter says in 2 Peter 1, we're not just giving you myths. We're telling you what happened. We were up there on the mountain when it happened. We heard the voice of God. And these witnesses of the resurrection 
And we believe them. And that unseen reality is more true to us than anything around us. And no matter what would happen to us, what would oppose us and who would dictate to us how we should or shouldn't live, we say, no, this dictates how I live. This reality of the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And so it's, it's a, this, uh, this substance or the reality of the things that we hope for and this proof of the things that we don't see uh, shows how much we believe in the worthiness of God to be trusted. It's really a statement of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the power of God. It's a statement of who we think God is and how sure his promise is because everything we believe about the future is based on promise. It's all promise. And we get down to verse 6, and we'll talk a lot about this verse. It's kind of a shining star uh, around which verse 11 uh, circles. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Isn't that interesting? You have to to believe that he's God, but you have to believe that he's a rewarder. God said, you cannot please me. You will not please me unless you believe I'm a rewarder, which is a belief in the future, right? It's a belief in what he's going to bring to us. It's a belief in his faithfulness, in his goodness, in his power to bring it about, in his wisdom to accomplish it. He is to be trusted and served and worshipped. So faith makes these things real to us, a real existence in our heart. We can taste the goodness of the things that are promised. It sustains us and strengthens us and sweetens our lives. It gives us endurance and purpose in the things we suffer. And we experience the power of those promises, which are why they are given to us. Faith communicates, gives us a representation of the beauty and glory of these things to our heart. And it brings the future glories in the grasp of our lives so that we are nourished and upheld and transformed. We live in the light of those future promises. And again, we are spinning off of chapter 10 where he says, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property because you knew, you knew. Faith had the, uh, the substance, the reality that we have a better possession and an abiding one. I had no doubt about that. It was real to them. And they lived in that light. So for us, disease and injury and loss and old age and disaster and death do not define us. They are real, but they're not ultimate. They're not permanent. We're the children of God. And as John says, it is not yet 
been seen what we are and what we will become. It doesn't look like we'll reign one day. <laughs> you look at me and say, mm, don't think so. <laughs> You're not looking like a king to me. Uh, your knees, you got a bum knee, you're limp, uh, you've got bags under your eyes, you know, your hair is turning gray. Not much like a king. It doesn't look like we'll judge angels. You and I don't look like the kind of people that could judge angels. It doesn't look like we could ever love each other perfectly. It really doesn't look like that, does it? That we could have perfectly strong bodies that will never grow weak. That we could be perfectly happy. But we count on these things. We believe them. And that gives us encouragement. That's what faith is. And we have benedictions like the one you've heard us give at the end of Jude. where, And, and, and many times benedictions are just bound up in our believing in the future. Like this benediction at the end of Jude. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now if you don't believe in the reality of that, that's just meaningless. Those are meaningless words. But the benediction is to believe, be believed by the people. We're to embrace that. We're to say, Amen. He will make me, he will make us stand before his holy presence, the holy God, and we will be utterly blameless and we'll be standing before this holy God with great joy. That's what we declare in that benediction. And you'll notice in verse 2, he says... By it, the people of old received their commendation. And he mentions this word commending in verse 4, God commending Abel, and in verse 5, Enoch, because he was commended as having pleased God. But it was by faith that Enoch did this, by faith that Abel did that, and so he's kicking off the, the uh, chapter by saying all of these statements, God is commending them. God is honoring them, recognizing them. And the chapter ends that way, all the way, and you don't get the word commend until the very end. He says in verse 39, and all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So that's a bookend to the whole chapter of God commending faith. And it makes me think of the time Jesus was, or the centurion came to Jesus. You remember this, centurion rules over a hundred soldiers, century centurion, and his servant is sick and he comes to Jesus, tells him his servant is sick, and Jesus says, well, I will go and heal him. And you recall what the centurion said. He said, no, no need to go. I'm a you know, general, you know, I, I rule over men. 
I tell them where to, what to do and where to go, and they do it. They have to. So he's speaking of the authority he has as a leader in the Roman army. The authority that can just say something and people get moving. Things happen. And he now attributes that to Jesus and says, you don't even have to go. You just say the word. You just speak it. And it'll be accomplished. And you remember, Jesus, I've not seen this kind of faith in all Israel. Really taken as a man, he comments on this faith. Or the woman who he's walking in the crowd. Remember that one. And she just thinks, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just have some kind of contact, some she believes so much in his power and she, and you know, big crowd, everybody's around him. Jesus, it's a comical statement. Imagine being in a crowd going into a stadium and you're walking in and everybody's around you say, somebody bump me. Yeah, right. Everybody's bumping you. And the disciples had that reaction. He said, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me in a special way and that power went from me. And so he turned and faced her and spoke of her faith, spoke of her faith. And in the opposite way, we've seen how often Jesus will say, oh, you of little faith. So in verse two, and this is where we're going to close. We're not going to go to verse three today. God, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Verse six. You must believe. And here's the amazing thing, brothers and sisters. You must believe in his generosity. You must believe in his goodness and his grace and his willingness to do all things good for you. That's the argument and the logic Paul is driving home in Romans 8.32. He says, if he didn't spare his son... He's not going to spare anything from you till you get it. He's all in to do you all good at all times. We were just uh, talking about the passage in Matthew 7 in Sunday school. Uh, Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be open to you. And all that follows. If you being evil know how to give good gifts for you your children, if you who are sinners, how much more will your Father in heaven? And we started the class, and I'm going to end the sermon this way, um, by talking about kids. And, you know, if you your your little child, you're walking through Walmart, it's not one of those things where you're walking through Walmart and after being in there 20 minutes and you've walked through cereal and candy and everything else, and you finally stop your son and said, little Billy, it's okay for you to ask for something if you want it. Because that won't be the case, will it? He will have asked for 39 things 20 minutes in. Can I have? Can I have? Can I have? I want this. Why don't you get me? You know, and many times we've seen the little mini tantrum from other children, not our own, um, in the store as children... Well, faith believes in the realities and the goodness 
of God. And it just is always expecting and asking. One of the aspects of this will be that you and I will constantly ask for stuff. And you know I'm not talking about stuff stuff, but spiritual stuff. The spiritual blessings that Christ has won for us that are ours right now for growth and transformation. For us as a church, for unity and love and affecting this community in Christ. Let's ask for stuff. Let's believe that God is that kind of God. And we believe in the reality of these, the things that are coming and how important it is for these people out here to hear of those realities because they're gripping our hearts. And we want others not to face God's judgment. We want them to be in his presence with us. Let's seek God and believe that God is a generous God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we pray that our faith will make your blessings now and in the future present realities to us, that our faith will prove them to us, will demonstrate them to us, so that our hearts are constantly embracing the good things you have done, are doing, and will do for us. That these will be the governing realities of our lives. Oh Lord, convict us of unbelief. Convict us of how much of our days, how much of our week can really be lived apart from this vital, life-changing faith in our glorious God. Enable us, Lord, to please you by believing that you are a generous God, always. Oh, Lord, continue to save us from our unbelief, we ask in the precious